Well, thanks, Pastor John. <clears throat> Hope I can get through this. I sang too hard. <laughs> I lost half my voice, so pray for me as I preach. Wasn't that fantastic worship this morning? Just so good. Yeah. Welcome here. Um, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, one story that happened to me this week. On Tuesday night, um, Marcy and I, my wife and I, uh, spent the last hours of the day with a couple whose young adult son is spiraling into a black hole of depression, uh, maybe even psychosis. And it's not a pretty picture. Since Christmas, their journey has been one of, at times, unspeakable grief and pain as they have watched from the sidelines their son go into hiding, not only relationally and emotionally, but actually physically hiding. Literally not letting them know where he was as he made all manner of attempt to shut them out of his life. Tuesday was a devastating day for them as they finally heard from some of his friends who told them that their son has not been working. He hasn't paid his rent for three months. His vehicle had been repossessed. And he was living in conditions that they didn't want his parents to see. And they actually feared for his very life. Needless to say, their world is being rocked to the very core as they have felt helpless and at times even hopeless. So yesterday, it's good to see you here, Elaine. Yesterday we had a memorial service for your dear husband, Fred, who died at the age of 67 from a terrible lung condition, a lung disease. And while there were certainly great memories shared and his life and his influence were all well celebrated, the painful reality of death is inescapable, isn't it? Dare I continue? <laughs> but I haven't yet talked about things that have been happening recently, the Notre Dame fire in the midst of a nation already in turmoil, or how about Jody Wilson-Raybould, or how about Alberta's economy and the election, or just mention the Boeing 737 MAX, or opioids, or measles, or the current crisis in Sudan, or the young journalist who was shot dead in Northern Ireland, or, or what on earth motivated a 68-year-old man from peaceful Penticton to murder four of his neighbors in cold blood. Had enough? <laughs> I haven't talked about New York Times breaking news on Wednesday, Peru. Peru's former leader and president shot himself in the head and died as the police tried to arrest him. President Alan Garcia had been accused of corruption. And the New York Times top story for Good Friday, the White House that emerges from the 448 pages of the Mueller report is a hotbed of conflict infused with a culture of dishonesty. Friends, it is in these things, in the reality that something's wrong, that society is broken, that suffering is, one of, is the one thing that all of humanity has in common, that sin and Satan are real. It is in these things that Easter and the message of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ becomes such good news. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Mercy, grace, and hope. These are three words that we desperately need to hear. Now you may think, well, that's all fine and dandy, but who is this Peter guy? I mean, what does he know? I mean, he wrote this 1,952 years ago. I mean, how bad could it be? Well, for starters, it was Peter who denied and abandoned his best friend as he was being tortured, beaten, and murdered execution style. It was Peter and most of his fellow citizens who were driven out of their homeland and exiled to surrounding regions, no longer welcome at home. And lest we forget, there was this guy named Nero, <laughs> the emperor of Rome, who burned his own city so that he could blame and torture Jesus' followers in all manner of horrendous ways, including, but not limited to, tying them to poles, lighting them on fire, and burning them alive as he used them as human torches to light his garden paths as he entertained and made an indelible impression on his guests. It is in these things, as Peter writes just three verses later in 1 Peter chapter 1, to the, to the Christians at that time, it is the, in these things where he says, you are, yet now you are grieved by various trials. In the reality that something's wrong, that society is broken, that suffering is one thing all of humanity has in common, that sin and Satan are real. It is in these things that Easter, that the message of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ was and always is such good news. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Mercy, grace, and hope, three words that all people for all time have desperately needed to hear. So let's take a look at these three words. First of all, we see in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, his great mercy, his great mercy, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. Mercy, compassion, pity, patience. We all need it, don't we? We all need it. You see, God knows that apart from his intervention in our lives, we are hooped. We're hooped with a capital H. We have no ability to right the wrongs. We, because we're not right. We're not right as he is right. As he, God, is holy, righteous, and perfect. We're not that. And there is nothing good in us, Scripture says, in the desperately wicked and sinful heart inside of every human, mine included, nothing good dwells there. So he's patient with us because he doesn't want us to perish and his mercy is new for us every day and oh, how we need that mercy. God's mercy is so great that he actually wept for the very people who would curse him and abuse him and mock him and whip him and beat him and then nail him to a cross because that's how much he loved them and it's how much he loves us. It's how much he loves the whole world that while we were his enemies, Christ would die for us. Our sins, they are many, but his mercy is more. 
Our sins, they are many, but his mercy is more, friends. That's good news. Mercy means that God looks on our helpless estate, on the sin that we inherited, on the sins that we commit, and he knows that apart from divine intervention, we will die a merciless death apart from his grace, his amazing grace. That's the second thing about this text today, his amazing grace. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Yes, born again is an actual thing. It's not just something that people made fun of in the 70s and 80s and 90s. And it's a real thing. In fact, Jesus, when he was questioned one time by this man at Nicod- named Nicodemus, who was part of the ruling council who, at that time, who came to him at night because he was afraid to ask questions. Jesus met him and Nicodemus asked, what is this, what must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, you gotta be born again. And he explained it to him. He said, to be born again means to be made alive spiritually, not just physically. So we're born once physically. We don't re-enter our mother's womb. Like Nicodemus says, how can we re-enter and be born again a second time? Jesus said, no, 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 no. We don't do that. We're born once, and then we're born again by the Spirit of God. We're born again spiritually as we put our faith and our hope in Jesus Christ. The one in me, said Jesus, because I will pay for your sin on the cross. It's another type of birth that Jesus was talking about, and it's something that we can't do ourselves. It has to be done for us. It has to be given to us like a gift that we receive, that we never ask for, and that we have to receive. It's called grace. Because grace, you see, is something that we just don't deserve. Mercy is God not punishing us for the sins that we, that as our sins deserve. And grace is God's blessing despite the fact that we do not deserve it. Mercy is deliverance from judgment. Grace is extending kindness to the unworthy. Titus chapter 3 verses 3 through 7 says this. For we ourselves were once foolish disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior." so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's good news, friends. That is good news. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 9. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, in our sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness and mercy toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one can boast. 
a man named Donald Barnhouse wrote this. He said, love that goes upward is worship. Love that goes outward is affection. But love that stoops is grace. And Jesus is God's love that stooped. The hymn writer said, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate. That's his mercy. That Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. That's grace, friends. That's grace. Because we can't save ourselves and we are hooped without God, God has mercy on us, great mercy. And because of his great mercy, he extends this amazing grace to us to save us through faith in Christ, even when we were God's enemies. And because he is able to save us, we can live with incredible hope. And that's what Peter describes next as this living hope. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope. Literally, the word means lively. It could be better translated maybe a hope living, a hope that possesses life and vitality. In case you're not aware, uh, if you watch TV, maybe you've seen this. Have you, have you aware, are aware that Delicio Pizza has initiated a campaign called No Crust Left Behind? Has anybody heard this? Yeah. <laughs> the commercial's funny. They show people throwing crusts into the garbage in slow motion, right? No crust left behind. It's actually a whole campaign that's on their, uh, their homepage, on their website. Because you see, it's a tragedy that pizza crusts all over the world are being mercilessly discarded. So, it is a tragedy, truly. But if you've seen the ad on TV, you'll know that their new slogan for their stuffed crust pizza is this. We're not just stuffing crusts with cheese. We're stuffing them with hope. We're stuffing them with hope. Now, while I like pizza as much as the next guy, okay, as much as I love pizza more than the next guy. Okay, let's just get that out of, let's just get that out of there. Let's clear the air. That's not living hope. It's cheese. Let's just call it what it is. The elephant in the room is cheese, okay? All right. In the United Conservative Party leader's victory speech after winning Alberta's provincial election on Tuesday... Jason Kennedy said this, to those who have lost their homes and their hope after years of economic decline and stagnation, to them, to them we send this message, help is on the way and hope is on the horizon. It's nice, but it's not living hope. The CBC News headline on April 16th, also this Tuesday, regarding the Notre Dame fire, read this, what's been lost what's been saved, and where there's hope. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. But it's not living hope. Does the name Logan Boulay ring a bell? Does anybody know who Logan Boulay is? Logan is the humble Bronco who donated six of his organs that changed the lives of six people after he succumbed to his injuries the day after that fateful bus accident. And so April 7th, which is the first anniversary of Logan's death, just this April 7th was what was called Green Shirt Day. 
It's a Sunday. In honor of what's become widely known as the Logan Boulay effect. And organ donations are increasing all over the place because of what he did, what his parents did. And the advertising slogan for Green Shirt Day was this, turning tragedy into hope. All over the place, friends, people are looking for hope. The word is being used all the way from pizza to organ donations. So surely this must be it. After all, six other people lived or their lives were bettered because one person died, right? But even still, there's something missing. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Listen to these words from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if Christ has not been raised... Your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are to be of all people most pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. But each to his own order. Christ, the firstfruits, and then it is coming, those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God, the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. All things under subjection under his feet. A living hope, you see, extends beyond anything of this life, but it includes this life. It extends into the next life, to eternal life, because true and living hope is not found in stuffed crust pizza or economic reform or a church cathedral or even an organ donation. As good and as great as all of those things are, living hope is found in an eternally living person, the person of Jesus Christ making it possible for us to not only experience the abundant life that God has for us here and now, to give us hope for today, but abundant life with him forever, hope for tomorrow. I want to read a brief description of that tomorrow from Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Friends, that's living hope. Do you live with that kind of hope? Do you? 
So yesterday morning, I called the parents back whom I referred to at the beginning of my sermon, not only to check in with them to see how they were doing, but also to ask permission to speak about their situation this morning. And when I did, mom started to cry. And without hesitation, she said, yes, please share. Please share. If our story of hanging on to Jesus, of clinging to hope in the midst of this trial, can even help one person who just can't see a way out, then it gives our struggle purpose. And when I accepted the Lord, she said, as my Savior and my hope giver on Easter Sunday, today, friends, exactly 50 years ago, this lady accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior. She said, I wanted my life to have purpose. And if this is what it takes for others to experience the mercy, the grace, and the hope of God, so be it. She said, oh, Eldon, you have no idea how happy this makes me. You have no idea how happy this makes me. Friends, that's living hope. That's God's grace. That's his mercy. Chuck Swindoll said, the devil, darkness, and death may swagger and boast. The pangs of life will sting for a while longer, but don't worry. The forces of evil are breathing their last. Not to worry. He is risen. And Peter goes on in verse 6 to say, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So my question to you today is, would you surrender your life to the risen Christ today? I invite you. No, I actually, I implore you. Please don't leave here today without personally being able to say, blessed be the God and Father of my Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused me to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay? One of the joys of Easter is being able to hear the stories of people who have done just that, who have declared the mercy, the grace, and the hope of Jesus Christ over their lives. And today is no exception. And even better than that, after we hear snippets of some of those stories, Yvonne's included, who's sitting right here. She's so excited and she's so nervous. But I don't know who's excited, more and more excited. Me or her. We both didn't sleep very much last night. and said, Yvonne, we're going to be a mess in this water. We're going to drown each other. <laughs> be careful. If you see a bunch of splashing, would somebody please, please come and rescue us? <laughs> after we hear these stories we're going to have the joy of witnessing her baptism, which is a tangible sign, friends, involving being fully immersed in water. If we stayed there too long, there'd be trouble, right? <laughs> and that picture, that tangible picture and reality will, will show and tell us 
that she has died to sin and to self, and she has identified in the death of Jesus Christ, who died and shed his own blood for her soul, for my soul, and for your soul. I would love in the next year to see, well, whoever hasn't been baptized, to see you in here (laughs) with me, with us, doing the same thing. So it will show and tell us that she has died to sin and that she has been washed, as Peter said, and renewed by the regeneration and inner working of the Holy Spirit in her life. And she has been raised to new life in Christ even as he was raised to life on that first Easter Sunday. I'm so excited to see what God has done in your life this past year, Yvonne. It's just amazing to me. And I can hardly wait to climb into this brand new tank as we, as we christen this and as we witness God's great mercy, his amazing grace, and his living hope in your life. So, to all of you, why don't you do Yvonne a favor this morning, okay? As she comes up and out of the water, I want, you, I want, I want her to hear loud shouts of joy and celebration, okay? You do that? I give you permission. I give you permission to get noisy, okay? To clap, to whistle, to cheer, to stomp your feet, whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to give glory to God on this Easter Sunday. On this Easter Sunday. (sighs) Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Let's pray. Oh God, your word is so awesome, so precious, and so encouraging. So I pray that the power of your word is applied by your spirit as we've all heard it today would just bear much fruit in our lives and in this church and in this community. We pray for Agassiz and for Harrison, this whole district, that there truly would be a regeneration and a renewal and a washing of your Holy Spirit over this whole area. And God, uh, this morning, as we have the joy and the privilege of, of witnessing firsthand your work in Yvonne's life, I just pray you would help us to celebrate, <laughs> that you would bless her, with your peace and your joy and with all that you have for for her going forward as she grows to maturity in Christ. We thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.